This episode of Bend the Knee is brought to you by Lord Jason of House Ross, Lady Amanda of House Richardson, Lord Adam, the Young Bull of House Parker, Sir Peter of House Whittingham, the Ghost of Harrenhal, a Bannerman has no name, Lord Thanos of House Titan, Lord Hunter the Foulmouthed, and Sir Dustin of House Walls. Hello and welcome to Bend the Knee, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast. I am Sir Matt the Bud Knight. And I am Sir Ezra the Watchful. Welcome to our Song of Ice and Fire book club. Today we're discussing chapter 54, Daenerys 6 of A Game of Thrones. And in Fire and Blood, we will be discussing the Dying of the Dragons, the Red Dragon, and the Gold. Yes. Man, Sir Ezra, it seems like we've been recording a lot lately. I mean, it's all just kind of—it's all becoming kind of a blur, to be honest. Yeah, it is. We've even posted stuff in different order than what we recorded it, so it's all like, <laughs> I know it's like all over, it's all over the place, man. It's but I don't know. It's we're having a blast. I mean, we're absolutely having a blast mm-hmm. because so many cool things have come just into Raven's Nest, and um, we've been we've we found some cool theories. We've been working on some theories. Plus, we've just got mm-hmm. show news, run times, all sorts of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. We've done musings. We've done bonus episodes. We've done bonus pod uh, Patreon stuff. I did a. A let's play of one of the Game of Thrones games on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. We're just uh, get getting after it, man. But uh, yeah, That's I'm great. excited about today's episode. Um, you know, uh, this is a good Daenerys chapter. Fire and Blood is yep. thick. Yes. Uh, per usual, there's going to be a lot to break down there as we go through the dance uh, of the dragons. Um, yeah. So, Sir Ezra, how's yeah. uh, how's it going, man? Well, it's 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 going well. I hate to even say this, but um, Sir Ezra, you know, is, is taking a little spring break right now, friends. Wow! Wow! Must be nice. <laughs> what a jerk! What jerk would come on the podcast and say something like that? That is just mm-hmm. garbage, man. But no, uh, I, that's part of why we're we're just cranking out some work. We're trying to mm-hmm. to get some things ahead here, and you know, really. Turn things up a notch. Um, getting ready for some of the cons that I'm going to be going to in April. I've got a couple. I'll be at um, Star Wars Celebration, and then I'll be at um, Ice and Fire Con right when I come back. Literally, I think it's the following weekend or something like that. So uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then, um, yeah, I got some other special things coming up here in the summer. I might be going to a couple conventions and maybe making nice. a tri- I mean, making a trip out west soon too. You never know. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we have an archery contest to schedule. Yes, and a we drinking do. Contest. Yeah, <laughs> but you know what? Let's just turn them. Let's just make them both at the same time. Yeah, we were. Yeah, we're gonna have to. We're yeah. gonna have. The to. idea is, we'll we'll take a shot, and then Sir Ezra will shoot the apple off my head. Yeah. I'll take a shot. <laughs> he'll shoot the apple off my head, and then the podcast will be over. Yeah, I guess we'll both be dead. Gosh, yeah, yeah that that would be terrible. <laughs> We'll film it for you guys. It'll be a last goodbye, all right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. well, we are only weeks away from winter. Yeah. Uh, Puxatani Phil was wrong because winter is still coming. Yeah, yeah. And we are only weeks away. Yeah, Um. every day, man, we just get closer and closer to season eight, and I just get more and more excited. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It's, it, the, it's, it's building. We've got Ravens, too, about season eight, quite a few, and... You know, we have to, I guess, as we get closer to the show, kind of shift our focus to be a little more show heavy. Um, 
I started my rewatch. Started at season four. I kind of cheated, mm-hmm. but whatever. That's okay. It's best one of the best seasons. So, I'm 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 currently in season four, uh, about to about to finish, uh, get to season five. You know, there's so many things I noticed when I watched um, season four. You know, that's how I kind of got came along with that Night King theory. Yeah. Um, I should tell everyone go watch the scene where the Night King turns. Uh, Craster's baby into a White Walker. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff in that scene that I, when I rewatched it the other day, I was like, uh, hold on, do they have like a, it looks like they're going into like a fortress. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they, the, like they place him on the, his table. Yeah. And there's all these kind of stones around it. It looks li- like similar to, um, you know, the place where the Night King got turned into a White Walker. I wonder if that's the same location. Yeah, it, it yeah, I mean, it lo- it looks similar other than all the snow there, right? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm right. Kidding, yeah, yeah. Well, I, because as no, we know, the, you know, the, the, white, the yeah. white walkers create a lot of snow yeah. and ice yeah. and cold as they as they travel. Right. Some people were calling me out in the Facebook group for that, but uh yeah, you know, I, that's, <laughs> that's that's what they do. They they bring they John Snow said it says they bring the storm. And they so, yeah. 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 Yeah, the storms are coming. Yeah, that's for sure. No, but mm-hmm. you're right. It, I did actually. You sent me the clip, and I I went and looked at it, and um, it is kind of weird. It's like either their fortress way up there, or it's you know, it just um, would love to know a little bit more about what's up there, what it looks mm-hmm. like, where they you know the, their inhabitants, mm-hmm. or if that was the same place. Did it did it used to always when it's what it's called the land of always winter? So I guess it's always been winter. Yeah. So I don't know. Well, as far as the maesters, as far remember. as we know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. So. That that is cool. That's really neat. Yeah. So there's all kinds of new Game of Thrones news, goodies, and stuff coming out. Um, I recently, you know, we haven't done a Gur watch in a while. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's time to get back into a Gur watch. Check out his not a blog. See what he's writing about. And uh, none of it pretty much has anything to do with Game of Thrones. Right. Unfortunately, <laughs> he he posted on his blog where he writes all the time because um, we know he's not writing Winds of Winter. Uh, <laughs> he says season eight approaches and he's just like, here's the trailer and that's it. But then he talks about other stuff. It's like, yeah, so he can't he can't work on Winds of Winter, but he can write a, you know, page long essay entitled Kill Me Now. March 12th, 2019. The Giants have traded Odell Beckham Jr. to the Cleveland Browns. Wow. Wow. It's like... It's devastating, dude. Here's the thing. What I'm what I'm upset about is that don't the Giants know what they're doing to Gurm? Mm-hmm. Like, w- mm-hmm. you're setting him back how many How many Game of Thrones characters are influenced by his... There you go. You know, I mean... I mean, if the Giants trade Odell Beckham Jr. and right. he's writing a, a, a paragraph about Jon Snow, right. is he gonna? Yeah, all uh, of a sudden his you know mood's I mean? different now. Like, yeah, Can like he kills. Somebody? He just kills Jon. He's like, you know what? <laughs> Fine. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He's <laughs> like, he's not coming back. Let's just do this again. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, it's crazy. Somebody's gonna hit up the Giants so and tell them to knock this crap off because you know, or at least wait. Yeah, I until... think he's a Jets and a Giants fan. He's just a fan of kind of both New York yeah. teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unfair, but is what it is. That's hilarious. So, someone should go back through the time and look at all of the news and in, in New York football history and see I, how it's influenced the I bet, series. I bet. I bet no one's done. I bet no one has drawn comparisons. Do it like you know, uh, comparisons of his blog. Yeah. and time it up against. Yeah, like, <laughs> when he was like writing chapters. <laughs> right. Oh gosh, that is funny. And like, what was he? Influence. What was going on when he was writing the 
the Red Wedding. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. what was happening in his life? Well, let's see. He's a Giants fan, so I don't know. Maybe he was watching the Super Bowl where they lost to the Ravens, wow. that, like the two in two thousand. You know? Yeah. And he's just like, yeah, all right, screw these guys. Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> like, oh, that's so funny. Well, uh, yeah, that's that's good. That's good. We got a little action there from Gurr. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully he's just done with that book and it's just going through some I hope final. To God you know revisions and it's going to come out later this year i i i kind of think it is going to come out this year but i'm every year i'm hopeful so and i i've always Mm -hmm. said let him be let him do his thing Mm -hmm. let the magic flow you know from that mind of his so Mm -hmm. yeah all right man well let's go ahead and over to our maesters study this week we are talking about the dance of the dragons or the dying of the dragons the red dragon and the gold yeah, and strap and strap in because this is uh, kind of long, kind of thick. Yeah, uh, that's what hard she said. to read. That's what she- <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, it, okay. So I wanted to start, I guess, just you know that not t- if she was with Theon, she didn't. That's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, people hate us now, right? <laughs> yeah. I know. Um, so it says, you know, yeah, the, the dying of the dragons, the red dragon, and the gold. So I thought I would pull up real mm-hmm. quickly just uh, before we start this. Uh, some information on those two dragons. They're only a, a, actually a sliver of this chapter, especially the red dragon. Um, but uh, when we speak about the the gold dragon, that is Sunfire, right? So also known yes. as Sunfire the Golden mm-hmm. was a splendid young male dragon. What's funny to me, do we know whether they're male or female? I've heard mixed. You know, it's interesting. Yeah, because I've heard mixed. There's mixed uh, things talked about them sometimes. Sometimes they reference them as if like their sex changes or um, they don't know. Um, Yeah. So it's it's they don't they don't entirely seem to know. It, It changes sometimes. Right. Okay. So yeah, um, and, and you know, Sun- Sunfire is kind of emerges when we start to talk about King Aegon the Second, okay? Mm-hmm. King King Aegon the the Elder. Um, so according to uh, Archmaester Gildane, he was the most beautiful dragon ever seen upon the earth. Sunfire had gleaming gold scales, which shone like beaten gold in the sunlight, and uh, pale pink wing membranes. His flames were golden as well. T- wow, his flames mm-hmm. were golden as well. Uh, huge and heavy, Sunfire was a formidable fighter despite his youth. Um, and I said, you know, he, he, he has been there on, on Dragonstone for a bit, but we the first rider that we see um, with him, I believe, is, is Aegon the, mm-hmm. the second. So, so there's our gold dragon. Um, now... The red dragon is Maelie's. Yeah, Maelie's, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a she-dragon ridden by Princess um, Alyssa Targaryen and Princess... Uh, Rainies, Rainies Targaryen, mm-hmm. yeah, and we'll we'll get to that. Rainies Targaryen, the queen who never was. Yeah, yeah, and and actually, right, yeah. Well, while we're there, I mean, let's just so folks remember the queen who never was, right? Yeah, the the, the daughter of Prince Aemon Targaryen and Lady uh, Jocelyn Baratheon. She was married to Corlys Valerion of Driftmark, mm-hmm. and uh, as you remember, yeah, she was when it, that great council. You know, she's one of those who was passed over. Um, for Viserys so you know she's just mm-hmm. always kind of been there um, probably has a pretty strong claim to you know but she just over time uh, you know she has her kids and she lives at her life there on Driftmark and uh, but boy she rides into battle in this chapter and uh, it's 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 pretty awesome so there's there's a lot in this so um Sir Matt if you wouldn't mind we'll just start off with uh 
start us off with a reading, and then we'll just dive into this. Yeah, or, sorry, I'm, I'm ahead in, in my thing here. Um, the Dance of Dragons entered a new stage after the death of Luceri, uh, Lucari's Valerion in the Stormlands and the murder of Princess or Prince Jaehaerys before his mother's eyes in the Red Keep. For both the Blacks and the Greens, blood called to blood for vengeance. And all across the realm, lords called their banners and armies gathered to and armies gathered and began to march. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so as you remember, like those that the first blood that was drawn, we kind of talked at the end of uh, the last episode um, of the last Maester study. Just that like this once this Targaryen blood had been drawn, I mean, the war was on and in and, and full mm-hmm. tilt. And so this chapter, the red and the in the. Um, the red dragon and the gold it's a lot of battles i mean really is what it is it's actually just a lot of there's some cool little uh tidbits in here but we're gonna we're gonna kind of speed through some of it because we'll never get through the whole thing it'll take us it would we could spend two hours on this honest honest mm-hmm. to god if not even more i mean there's some really cool nuggets here but yeah so both sides are are looking to marshal their forces the forces of house blackwood um, which had declared for Rhaenyra, invaded the lands of the green-allied House Bracken. So right away, like, you know, you had House Blackwood and Bracken. They're always, you know, on on opposite sides there. And one house attacks the other just based upon the death of, of you know, um, the one of um, Aegon's children, you know. So mm-hmm. you've got people really passionately, I don't know whether they were ordered to strike or, or what have you, but but there's definitely some, some back and forth right out the gate. Now, um what to do you know if you're if you're egg on the second what do you do you know in this in this situation his his wife is just i mean for doesn't doesn't she just sort of go into a yeah, we talked about that in the last chapter she goes into a a pretty solid um you know depression mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah so anyways during this time they're trying to console her and what have you but um so i'll skip over here a couple paragraphs yet it must not be thought that the green council was sitting idle sir otto hightower had been busy as well, winning over lords, hiring sellswords, strengthening the defenses of King's Landing, seeking after other alliances. After the rejection of Grand Maester um, Orwell's peace overturns um, the hand, redoubled his effort, dispatching ravens to Winterfell, the Erie, to Riverrun, White Harbor, Galltown, Bitterbridge, Fair Isle, and half a hundred other keeps and castles. Riders galloped through the night to holding... Um, to holdings closer to hand to summon their lords and ladies to court to do fealty to King Aegon. Sir Otto also reached out to Dorne, whose ruling princess, um, Corin Mart- Martell, had once warned against Prince Damon in the Step Zones. Had once warred, excuse me, against Prince Damon in the Step Zones. But Prince Corin uh, sp- uh, spurned his offer. So you could just see Otto Hightower reaching out. They kind of say that he. You know, he was trying to win this war with letters is actually the way yeah. it's, it's described. He's sending off a lot of different letters, trying to get people to help out, rally, rally the forces. And eventually that that's not that's not cutting it. You know, so what ends up happening is that um, um, Aegon gets rid of him. He actually gets upset, you know, with with his, um, you know, with 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 his grandfather and. And decides to, you know, um, bring in Sir Kristen Cole, you know, which is awesome. So, yeah, so he, he eventually dismisses his grandfather as hand of the king and turned to Sir Kristen Cole. Sir Kristen's first advice to the king was to treat those who denied him fealty as traitors. 
And so they immediately, you remember um, when the the Green Council first assembled, those who spoke out against Aegon, you know, and, and were supporting Rhaenyra, they were sent to the dungeons. Although it's it's claimed that Sir Kristen Cole, you know, ended up um, cutting one of the uh, council members' throats right there on the spot as he tried to leave. But so they drag him out into the Red Keep, and basically, you know, the king's justice mm-hmm. takes place. You know, he, they take a few heads off and 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 put them out in the front so everybody can see. So it's mm-hmm. you know, yeah. And should, should we talk a little bit about Sir Kristen Cole? Yeah. Um, because he uh, he is somebody who actually will be a player going down oh, yeah. the line. Um, and he's somebody who we've talked about a little bit. He's a name you've probably heard. We talked to him about a little bit about in Fire Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like a knight from House Cole. Um, he ultimately ends up uh, will make it later down the way later down the line to Viserys the first uh, Kingsguard, and he eventually becomes a Lord Commander. Um, and he's somebody who I think Jamie Lannister references a couple of times. Um, and just talking about like the history of the Kingsguard, I think he mentions in, in the season extras, um, which I've been going through lately. Oh, really? Okay. Um, which, yeah. yeah, it's actually it's, they're actually super cool. We've talked about them a little bit. You should definitely check them out. They in the Game of Thrones seasons they have extras where the characters read lore, um, and it's obviously more about the books as their character and has. So it's not just like oh, I'm. You know, whatever his name is, Nikolai, whatever. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but he's reading it as like Jamie Lannister is telling this story. And so it's really cool. And he talks a little bit about him and how he was, you know, a very, very good like knight and stuff like that. So he ends up becoming a big deal. He's kind of um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh there's there's a there's a quote uh, later. Um, I think it's in World of Ice and Fire where he's talking about like if we ever were to see a bastard on the Iron Throne, they'll turn the Red Keep into a brothel. Um, yeah. You know, so he's kind. Yeah. And then like Aegon the Second says, you know, like my new hand is a steel fist because he's becoming a hand. Um, and so he's he's definitely a boss. Is is as people say we say a lot. So yeah. So yeah. He, he's, easy way to put it. Yeah. He is. I mean, and actually, it's it's kind of crazy. Like his turning from being uh Rhaenyra's favorite you know whether Rhaenyra actually Mm -hmm. did disrobe and and try to seduce Mm -hmm. him or whatever is all a tale that Mushroom tells us but yeah I mean yeah he's he's actually a big deal and he switches sides you know and he's with Allison Hightower Mm -hmm. and now he's supporting you know Aegon um the second here and and he's he's Mm -hmm. now hand of the king so and, and he does do a good job I think um let's see here one of the first things let me, let me just skip on down here a little bit. Sir Kristen wasted no time in proving his mettle. Um, quote, it is not for you to plead for support from your lords like a beggar pleading for alms, he told Aegon. You are the lawful king of Westeros, and those who deny, uh, who deny it are traitors. It is past time they learned the price of treason. So, you know, he's the one who, who encourages them to, you know, make this declaration. Like, no, I'm, I'm the king. I'm not mm-hmm. going to beg you to, to join me. If you don't, you are a traitor. You know, I'm the one true mm-hmm. king. So, he, you know, he's got a he's sitting in King's Landing and, you know, what have you. But it's it's a pretty he's a pretty cool character. I don't like him because because I'm more of a black than I am a green. OK, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I would love to know which side people are really on because it is kind of I, I, I like characters on both sides. But uh, man, I'm kind of a black dragon, my friend. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm also more of a black. And by that, I mean black fire. Uh, yeah, <laughs> is really the side I talk. I decide to say choose upon later as as we go down that line. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, 
All right, just a little bit more here about, you know, this this new, as they call him, new green hand, right? So they talked about him just being uh, younger. So, uh, yeah, he, he only lords Butterwell, Stokeworth, and Rosby bent the knee. So as they pulled those prisoners up from, from their cells, only a few of them actually bent the knee to Aegon. The others decided to die. Like, their word meant more to them, and so, you know, they, they were um, executed. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's Hayford, Mayweather, um, Hart, Buckler... Uh, Cassell and Lady Fell all remained true to their vows. And so, you know, they were, their heads were mounted above the gates of King's Landing. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Now, it, something that's kind of cool, I, I love that we get just more about the Kingsguard. So we've got Sir Kristen Cole, and, you know, we have this duel of, of the Cargill twins, which is mm-hmm. kind of cool. And these twins are identical. And I think that's the, 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 the cool piece to this. It's very short, um, but the, the, the Kingsguard you know, is kind of split and, and divided. Who do you support? You know, Viserys was the king. They they were loyal to him. He had he had declared that Rhaenyra was his, you know, his his uh, the heir apparent, right? I mean, she's his daughter, and you know, it's it's Alicent who they kind of go against his wishes and and use the Council of One Hundred One to you know propel Aegon the Second. So, what would you do if you're the Kingsguard? You know what I mean? It, it and mm. at the time, I think yeah, they were putting, even yeah, they're put into a really tough position. Yeah. So um, let's see here. Let's let's read a little bit about this. So um, the trooper. So you have Sir Sir Eric um, is is sent on a mission. Um, so the true purpose of that mission remains a matter of some um, contention. Grandmaster Munkin tells us that uh, Cargill had been commanded to slay Rhaenyra. So um, Sir Eric is actually sent from King's Landing, by the way, to Dragonstone. And he's sent there, he takes, he puts on, you know, just simple fisherman garb, you know, he, he looks very simple, and shows up in, in, in um, Dragonstone, and as long as no one sees him next to his brother, they should, they, they should assume that he is, you know, um, his brother, and, 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 you know, maybe could even, you know, give some commands and, and what have you, so, because you've got Sir mm-hmm. Eric and Sir, Sir, Sir Arik, um, is that, is that their names? <laughs> you've yep, got an yeah, E and an A, yeah. so... Uh, Eric and uh, Eric, uh, Eric. I don't even know how to. Like, I think it's like Arik and Eric. Arik, yeah. thank you. <laughs> Arik yeah. and Eric. There you go. Um, so yeah, so Sir Arik is is sent in to, you know, um, either assassinate the the queen or you know we we don't really know or or to just kill one of the one of her sons, uh, Jace or mm-hmm. Joffrey. Air quote strong. Um, because again, this is sort of this. Re- it's it's a way to retaliate for you know Aegon the second losing one of his children. So mm-hmm. uh, Sir Eric came ashore without hindrance, donned his armor and white cloak, had no trouble gaining entrance to the castle in the guise of his twin brother, just as Kristen Cole had planned. Deep in the heart of Dragonstone, however, as he was making his way to the royal apartments, the gods brought him face to face with Sir Eric himself, who knew at once what his brother's presence meant. The singers tell us that Sir Eric said, I love you, brother, as he unsheathed his blade. And that Sir Arik replied, and I, you, brother, as he drew his own. The twins battled for the best part of an hour. Uh, Grandmaster Munkin um, uh, said the clash of steel on, on sword woke half the queen's court, but the onlookers could only stand by helplessly and watch, for no man there could tell which brother was which. So that was kind of cool, right? You can't even separate mm-hmm. them and say, you know, it's just like they, they didn't know who, who to side with, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was tough. Um, yeah, and it's it's also it's it's a battle that is referenced t- 
time and time again throughout the series as one of you know like the most epic sword fights. Yeah, the, the ever, singers sing about place. it. Yeah, yeah, right. Two brothers in the King's Guard. You know, one's in the Queen's mm-hmm. Queen's Guard. One's in the King's Guard. You know, fight to the death here, and they end up um, mortally wounding each other. I I like the tale. The singers sing is that they both kind of, you know, um, strike at each other and they they take each other out almost almost simultaneously where whereas mushroom says one of them suffers from right. from a wound and dies 3 days later and is cursing his brother's name and things like that. I don't think that's happening at all. Yeah, I don't either. So, I'm I'm getting I sick of pretty, I think it was just pretty epic. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I like him. I know, I'm just kidding. So, you know, yeah, that's that's that is that. Um let's move on a little bit now. I think we're about to jump into what would be Rook's Roost a little bit, um, mm-hmm. or Rook, Rook's Rest, excuse me, uh, Duskendale and so on. So basically the one of the first, so this this is where you get to the gold and the, and the red dragon kind of fighting, right? Um, and so this is a pretty pretty heavy, you know, fight here. Um, uh, Rainey's actually ends up going um, to kind of, everyone's trying to recruit different um, lords and what have you. So... Uh, Sir Otto Hightower believed that Damon was Rhaenyra's greatest weakness and uh, and reached out to an old foe of Damon's, the kingdom of the three daughters across the narrow sea, hoping to use them against Corlys Valerian. Um, Aegon II was running out of patience, however, and removed Otto's hand. So we talked about that. Uh, let's move on down here. Sir Kristen Cole was named in his stead, decided quick action was necessary. Aegon attacked by sacking Duskendale. So here we go and having Lord Darkland beheaded for supporting Rhaenyra. Kristen then turned his attention to Rook's rest for House Staunton, had pledged their support to Rhaenyra as well. Lord Staunton defied his attackers and dispatched a raven to Dragonstone. Enter Princess Rhaenys, who arrived on her dragon, Maelys. So, now, I, I kind of think what happens here is that the, the attack on, on Duskendale and on Rook's rest... Yeah, I, I think they were hoping that 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 one of the dragon riders would come to Duskendale, and the reason I say that is because when they come to um, Rook's Rest, there's an ambush. Uh, Sunfire and Vagar are both there waiting for a dragon rider. Maybe they expect them to send two dragons, and Dragonstone only sends one. They send you know, Rainey's arrived on her dragon Maley's, uh, but Kristen's men attack the dragon with with scorpion bolts, uh, longbows, crossbows. Uh, in the battle at Rook's Rest in 129 AC. So it's going well until Sunfire and Vagar come out of nowhere, you know. Show up, yeah. So I kind of think they would have continued to attack along that region just to draw out a, a couple of the Dragon Riders so that they could fight them. That was just because they had younger Dragon Riders. They're hoping maybe they send one of the, you know, Jace or um, not necessarily Joffrey, but, you know, one, maybe some of the younger Dragon Riders. And they're trying to draw out you know, uh, Damon, they want him out of Hall, and that's going to come up here in a second because they'll eventually make an offensive towards Hall. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And, and so, and we, and the battle at Rook's rest, yeah. right. You know, the, the big, the big thing there is that we'd lose, uh, you know, Rainey's, uh, Targaryen, yeah. right? Like that's, we talked about her, the queen who never was her and her dragon Maelys. There's actually a really cool picture in fire and blood about it. Yeah. Um, where you see that dragon and it's, really and then like sad. her body. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So man, it's, 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 it's something he, he, um, yeah. So Eamon was there on Vagar, right. And, and then, um, his brother Aegon 
was there on Sunfire. So just, you know, also. So let me just read a little bit of this. So when Sunfire and Vagar also appeared, the dragons fought a thousand feet above the ground. Melee's jaw closed around Sunfire's neck and Vagar fell upon him. And they actually say that Melee's probably could have just taken Sunfire or even Vagar one-on-one. But it's the fact that both of them showed up at the same time. Right. You know, so from the ashes, only Vagar rose again. Sunfire... Um, had one wing torn half off his body whilst his rider, King Aegon II, suffered several broken bones and severe burns. Rhaenys was found completely burned next to Maelys. After the battle, Prince Aemon and Criston uh, took Rook's rest and put the garrison to death. The, heads of Mael- the head of Maelys was brought back to King's Landing, inspiring fear among the small folk, causing thousands to flee the capital until the gates were barred by Queen Alicent. So, um... Yeah, and, and so as, as you said, uh, you know, Sir Matt, that Rhaenys is dead, but King Aegon is actually—I mean, he's out. He is—he's kind of knocked. He's not—he's not dead, but he uh, had like it says half of his arm was burned. Um, right. Like, well, and if you look, and if you look at really what happened though, um, according to the uh, the wiki here, yeah, um, you know, it's like casualties on the uh you know the, the greens lost 800 people Aegon the second is injured and sunfire is injured the casualties on the blacks is just 100 blacks lord staunton rainies and you know they lose a dragon as well but it's like you lost 800 people yeah to do this yeah true yeah 800 knights and squires and common men lost their lives that day as well another 100 perished not long after uh as we said there prince aemon and sir Kristen cole took rook's rest and put the garrison to death um yeah so you're right that's a lot of folks to lose you know for for this mm-hmm. um, yeah just i mean you you took a dragon and you know a, a big figure but you know you lose a lot of people right right so here's what happened to to egg on the second so whilst his rider so sunfire you know um his splendid golden breast was ripped uh one wing was half torn from his body whilst his royal rider had suffered broken ribs a broken hip and burns that covered half his body. Uh, his left arm was worst. Uh, so, so, you know, he's 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 a mess. Some of the metal from his armor was actually, it, it had melted into his flesh. So mm-hmm. you know, he got a full blast of some dragon fire there. And actually, I think what's what's cool about this story is that, like, if you are, you know, Rainies, um, and you're going to pick one of those two dragons to take on, and really, if you can only take out one dragon rider, take out the king, you know? Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. She goes after King Aegon II and really does him the most damage. And it's, you know, Aemon now, Prince Aemon is going to have to become regent or protector of the realm. You know, he kind of assumes right. assumes that. Yeah, uh, no, it, yeah, absolutely. So, okay, uh, let's move on. Uh, again, we're trying to get better at not reading everything. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. So next is the dragon seeds, right? So we've lost a dragon rider. We've lost a dragon. We need additional folks to kind of um we've got a bunch of dragons on dragonstone and, and we we, we kind of want to uh we need riders we need that the, their weapons their things we can use in this and the and the wars to come here so uh okay top of page 441 here not all those who came forward in answer to the prince's call were seeds so the prince called for dragon seeds or those who had dragon's blood to come forward nor even the sons or grandsons of seeds. A score of the queen's own household knights offered themselves as dragon riders. Amongst them was the lord commander of her, of her queen's guard, Sir Stephen Darklin, along with squires, uh, sailors, men-at-arms, mummers, and two maids. The uh, sowing of the seeds, Munkin names the triumphs and tragedies that ensued. Uh, others preferred the red sowing. So, 
you know, a lot of these folks who come forward and, and try to approach a dragon, uh, they don't make End it. They don't make it. Yeah. They, uh, they don't make it. I mean, you know, even Eamon, when he was running to get Vagar, like, basically it's dumb luck runs so fast. It was was should have been more scared than he was, but, you know... Um, yeah, I don't know. So, so, so it's it's tough to kind of claim a dragon, especially if they're they've not been around them or what have you. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and this is something we talked about. Yeah, I think we, you and I spent a bit on this when we talked about it back in Fire or in World of Ice and Fire was the idea, you know, of like these. There's probably a bunch of there probably are a bunch of Targaryen bastards, and you know, just Valyria. Anybody who has the blood of Valyria may be able to ride, you know, one of these dragons because it's not just Targaryens. There's the you know House House Valerian as well. So. Right. And one of the most infamous um, dragon riders here is our good friend uh, Mushroom. <laughs> he says, you know, the most unlikely of these would be uh, dragon riders, and this is a joke, was Mushroom himself, whose testimony speaks at length of his attempt to mount old Silverwing, uh, judged to be the most docile of the masterless dragons. Uh, one of the dwarfs' most ass- assuming tales, it ends with Mushroom running across the ward of Dragonstone, um, you know, with the seat uh, on his... Uh, on on fire and nigh drowning when he leapt into a well to quench the flame. So basically, you know, his pants are on fire. Mm-hmm. He's running, drenches the flames. So I, he, he tried. I, I, I believe. It. I believe. It. I think he tried. I think he. I think he might have rolled out there and, and and gave it a run. You know. So, anyways, uh, it goes on to say though, dragons are not horses. They do not easily accept men upon their backs, and when angered or threatened, they attack. Monken's true tellings tell us that sixteen men lost their lives during the sowing. Three times that number were burned or maimed. Stefan Darkland was burnt to death whilst attempting to mount the dragon sea smoke. Wow, that's crazy. That is crazy that, that mm-hmm. the that's you know a, a Queensguard member is that you know is killed just by trying to mount a dragon. That's a big loss. Yeah. So yeah. Um let's see. Yet sea smoke, um, Vermithor and Silverwing were accustomed to men and tolerant intolerant of their presence. So they were a little bit more willing to accept riders. Let me back up here just a, little bit, a minute because there's a dragon I'm sure folks are going to want us to mention. Um, let's see. Lord Gorman Massey suffered the same fate when he approached Vermithor. So again, folks are trying to uh, claim that dragon. A man called Silver uh, 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 Danies, whose hair and eyes lent credence to his claim to be... Uh, who has led credence to his claim to be descended from a bastard son of Magor the Cruel, had an arm torn off by Sheepstealer. As his sons struggled to staunch the wound, the cannibal descended on them, drove off Sheepstealer, and devoured father and son alike. So cannibal, this dragon that shows mm-hmm. up, is... Uh, I don't know if you want to pull up the wiki there, Sir Matt, on, on cannibal, because that's something I know a lot of folks um, are interested in and, and have talked about. You know where did this where did this dragon come from? It's just kind of a crazy wild thing. So, um, all right. So yet, yeah, Sea Smoke and yeah, Vermithor Silverwing were accustomed to men and tolerant of their presence. Having once been ri- ridden, they were more accustomed to accepting new riders. Vermithor, the old king's own dragon, bent his neck to a blacksmith's bastard, a towering man called Hugh the Hammer or Hard Hugh, whilst a pale-haired man-at-arms named. Ulf the White for his hair, or Ulf the Sot for his drinking, mounted Silverwing, beloved of Good Queen Alisan, and Sea Smoke, who had once borne Lenor Valerian, took onto his back a boy of ten and five, known as Adam of Hall, whose origins remain a matter of dispute amongst his, amongst historians to this day. 
And we're going to skip over the Adam of Hall story just a little bit. It's basically Corliss Valerian, you know, um, was he unfaithful to his wife? Did his son have a bastard? You know, all that kind of stuff is there's a whole story with him. That's, that's pretty neat, but yeah. So, um, yeah. Our, did you well, have, anything have on, a, on, on, yeah. Yeah. I have, I've can't, I've cannibal on. pulled up here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, he, he's known to, uh, you know, he's, his, we don't know his exact age. The wild dragon sheep stealer is said to have hatched um, when the old king was young. That is uh, early. Uh, the cannibal is stated to have been the eldest and largest of the three wild dragons and was therefore even older than sheep stealer. Um, he was known to attack smaller dragons. He laid at the back of uh, Dragon Mount prior to the Dance of Dragons. A dozen would-be dragon riders uh, had made a, had made attempts to ride him, and his lair was littered with their bones. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, he actually comes up, I think, again later too. So we'll t- we'll talk more about him. As- Which you know, I'm interested. I'm interested um, about the bones we see in the season eight trailer where Danny and John are walking up to the yeah. dragons. Yeah, I wonder if those are the bones of uh, like animals or people or right. both. Right, right, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a good question. Yeah, um, and there was one more, by the way, just as we're talking about dragon seeds here. Uh, Sheep stealer, who earlier someone tried to mount, um, was mounted by a girl named Nettles. And we talked about her again during the War of Ice and Fire. Uh, Corliss asked Rhaenyra to remove the taint of bastardry, bastardry from Adam and his brother Alan, making them true Valerians, and he named Adam heir to Driftmark. So uh, why he did that, there's a whole you know backstory that we have talked about in A World of Ice and Fire, mm-hmm. but we're going to save for now. So I believe we want to end with just the Battle of... Um, Battle of the Gullet here, just kind of a quick little rundown of, yeah. of, of it, so we can kind of cover some of the other stuff a tad bit later here. Let me pull it up. Um, yeah, so the Battle of the, battle of the Gullet was also called uh, Battle in the Gullet, was a battle that took place in the Gullet in 130 AC during the Dance of Dragons. It remains amongst the blad- bleh, excuse me, bloodiest sea battles in all of history. Uh, so you've got the Blacks versus the Greens. Um, you've also got the Triarchy. Uh, on the greens with uh, supporting the greens as well. Um, let's see some of the commanders there. Goodness, you've got uh, Jace is there um, with uh, Corliss Valerian. You know they're they're kind of your blacks, and then you've got um, Admiral um, Sharkoa Lohar. I think is how you say his name. Yeah. So, anyways, um, so the battle began on the fifth day of the new year, one thirty A.C. Uh, I have no idea how to say his name. Lohar divided the Triarchy ships into two squadrons entering the gullet to the north and to the south of Dragonstone. They attacked at sunrise, surprising House Valerian's fleet. So one of the issues, you know, that um, Aemon and that, that Aegon II had was that Corliss Valerian has a lot of ships. And mm-hmm. he's he's got a huge, a massive, I mean, he's from Driftmark. He used to be the master of ships, you know, and so their fleet is is pretty awesome. They needed a way to kind of strike at their fleet and even Driftmark, but how do you do that if you don't really have, you know, like a red wine right. fleet build right. up right now? So, so yeah, they end up um, actually convincing some of the Triarchy to help them, and that's so they actually end up sacking Driftmark, you know. So, uh, flying on on um, Vermax to meet the fleet of the Triarchy, Prince Jace Valerian swept down upon a line of Lysini gall- uh, galleys. The sailors had experienced fighting Prince Daemon Targaryen and his dragons. So remember, Daemon, uh, the king of the Stepstones, 
you know, the um, who is married to uh, Rhaenyra right now. Um, he actually at one point they he had fought the triarchy, and so they have seen dragons uh, before. They've they've faced Caraxes uh, during the war for the Stepstones. So uh, their captains directed their spears and arrows against uh, Jace. Um, one ship caught on fire, and then another. However, when Jace was joined by uh, Ulf the White on Silverwing, Nettles on Sheepstealer, Adam Valerion of C on Sea Smoke, and Hugh the Hammer on Vermithor, the line of warships from the Free Cities shattered as one galley after another turned away. So that's pretty. You know, you've got. I mean, basically, ha having the um, the dragon seeds show up pretty big deal you know what i mean like that's too many that's was what's way too many dragons to kind of take on mm -hmm. so yeah. um now the outcome of this uh vermax flew too low however and crashed down into the sea possibly wounded from a crossbow bolt to the eye or pulled down by um by a grapnel survivors said that he struggled in the rigging of a burning galley and sank with it jace leapt free but was then killed by a mirish crossbowman so jace is gone okay so that's another kind of big uh casualty for you know the blacks there um last little bit here on that uh north and south of dragonstone the battle continued into nighttime the southern squadron bypassed dragonstone believing that it would that it was too strong to assault and instead attacked driftmark so instead of you know heading directly towards dragonstone they actually um shift over and take on driftmark setting it a fire, um, setting a fire the harbor of Spice Town with with um, fire ships. The town was sacked and its inhabitants butchered and left, um, you know, to die. High tide and the treasures of Lord Corliss Valerian were burned by Mirish and Tyrashi soldiers, with the sea snakes' servants cut down as they fled. So you know, I mean, this is you know, kind of a big. That's a big strike, you know, to to hit Driftmark mm -hmm. and also Corliss Valerian had a lot of wealth on that. Island. I mean, he like like House Valerion was was one of the more wealthy houses in Westeros at the time. So that's you know all, all of his you know treasure there is sacked or, or burnt or destroyed or you know what have you. So yeah, um, some of the aftermath. Last little bit here. Thousands died from the battle, and Spice Town was never rebuilt. The Valerian fleet almost uh, almost all. Uh, I'm sorry, almost a third of its strength was lost. Uh, Prince Jace Valerion and his dragon uh, Vermax were killed, and Prince Viserys Targaryen was taken captive, but presumed dead by both sides. Prince Aegon the Younger never forgave himself for abandoning his little brother. Um, according to Mushroom, Hugh the Hammer and Ulf the White celebrated their participation. Nettles and Adam Valerion were heavily affected, uh, with the latter seeking out Sea Snake, though uh, what they spoke to each other remains unknown. Uh, many people on Dragonstone came to resent Queen Rhaenyra Targaryen for uh, kin they had lost during the battle. So since they lost so many folks, you know, people are starting to turn against her uh, as well. So yeah, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll kind of leave it there and there's even more <laughs> to this chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. so you know, I mean, there's, yeah, it's long. It's, it's, it's long and it's, that's how fire and blood is. And that's what we've kind of been saying for the past couple of weeks is sometimes it gets, a little thick, a little, you know, kind of yeah, dry. But I think it, it's full of really cool battles, and, and there it is a, mm -hmm. a, a pretty... I love how, like, there's a connection back to the Triarchy, right? And how, you know, the fact that they're, they're bringing them back into this conflict, and, you know, you can see why it was easy for 
the Greens to get their support when Damon had been down there earlier warring against them over the Stepstones. You know, in a time of war, it's sort of like for, for the Greens to get more alliances, you can have the Stepstones. You know what I mean? Just take take them. Just strike at Dragonstone for us. Strike at this fleet. Um, help us out, and they're yours. You know, so that's a, mm-hmm. a good move by the Greens. So I... As you get into it, and maybe if we have some more time, we, we can do some some uh, Dance of Dragons, some some deeper dives, you know, um, later after the show is over, back on Patreon or what have you. Because I would love to actually really get into the back and forth of all these different battles and, 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 and the strategy mm-hmm. that took place. Um, there's a great reference out there. It's a blog of Ice and Fire, I think, isn't that what it's called? Or it's an atlas of Ice and Fire, I think. Um, we've referenced yes. him yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. I think it's an, atl- an atlas, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's wonderful. There's great maps and there's lots of arrows and stuff showing the direction of battle and the way things took place. And it's very helpful uh, if you're more interested in some of the histories because you can really see the strategy and it's, it's just neat to see how Gurr thought through that and, and, and really talk, takes you through, um, you know, what seems to be a very realistic, ba- you know, battle. It's just, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. So, mm-hmm. all right. Yeah. I could talk about it forever, but I'm, I'm going to, you know, stop. <laughs> That's okay. Hey. All right. Well, let's move on over to the reread then, Sir Ezra. This week we are uh, going to be talking Daenerys 6. Last time we were talking John 7, uh, where the bodies of two men that had accompanied Benjamin Stark were found. Sir Jeremy Riker blames wildlings, but Sam points out odd characteristics about the bodies. Back at Castle Black, John learns that King Robert is dead and that his father is charged with treason. At dinner that night, Sir Alistair. Oh, you know what? Yeah. I think I, I think I forgot to update that. That's not what we did last time, was it? Was it John? Wasn't it a brand chapter? It was brand, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was brand, yeah. Oops, forgot to update that in the doc. That's okay. We were talking about brand, yeah. But last time we were talking about Daenerys. Daenerys uh, had eaten a stallion's heart as part of a Dothraki, a Dothraki pregnancy ritual. Afterwards, she had bathed in the womb of the world and goes to the reception feast. Viserys soon arrives, drunk and screaming. He draws his blade and demands what he is owed. Cal Drogo gives him a crown of molten gold. This week, Daenerys is unable to convince Khal Drogo to assault the Seven Kingdoms to regain her throne. While Drogo is hunting, Daenerys goes to the market where a wine merchant offers her a cask of wine. When Ser Jorah insists that the merchant drink first, the merchant refuses and attempts to flee. When Drogo learns the attempt of poison, uh, he attempts to poison Daenerys. He makes the decision to attack the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. So, I mean... You know, good news for 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 Danny. You know, she avoids being, mm-hmm. uh, a, you know, the assassination attempt. Uh, uh, now she couldn't convince her husband, you know, to 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 turn. He's actually going further east in this chapter, and and just seems mm-hmm. to not be changing course and has his own, you know, plans. And then, yeah, finally, it's like, ironically, this this uh, this attempt here has caused him to say, nope. All right, fine, cool. You're you're gonna attack my wife. Here I come. So, kind of a pride thing, but it. It's awesome. It's it's a yeah, turning yeah, point. Yeah, is what it yeah, absolutely is what it is. So um yes, let me pull up that uh here really quick. And I also think too, it's like one of those things that the setup here as well for, for, for Jorah, you know, it's like it's just funny when we look back at this to see this was this is the the decision to he is communicating with uh King's Landing with Varys, but once he finds mm-hmm. out about the, he, I feel like he's he's in the middle of making his decision to stop communicating right. and to, yeah, absolutely right, just just to join her. And before it was mm-hmm. to spy on her brother, 
you know, and now it's like her and he knows that they're trying to assassinate her and her baby. And that really pushes him, I think, over the edge to say, all right, enough's enough. I'm picking my right. side, you know, which is good for him. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, all right. Beating ch- the chapter here, when he uh, when he had taken his pleasure, Cal Drogo rose from their sleeping mats to tower above her. His skin shone dark as bronze in the ruddy light from the brazier, the faint lines of old scars visible on his broad chest. Uh, ink black hair, loose and unbound, cascaded over his shoulders and down his back, well past his waist. His manhood glistened wetly. Okay. All right. <laughs> I All just right. wanted to leave a long I just wanted to leave a long <laughs> pause there. Uh, the cow's mouth twisted in a frown beneath the droop of his long mustachio. The stallion who mounts the world has no need of iron chairs. Or that's how Roy Detrice pronounces it. Yeah, so. there you go. That's how he says it. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, and that's the line, isn't it? I mean, that's doesn't need an iron chair, you know? So, golly. So she must have just been trying to, to convince him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I don't think so. You know? Yeah. But. Yeah, and that's essentially what this, you know, the, the main part of this chapter is. She's trying to convince him. Um he, you know, he kind of tells her, he's like, you know, that the, the earth ends at the Black Salt Sea because it's the idea that, you know, it's poison, poisonous water. So yeah. to them, it's like the earth doesn't exist past that. And she talks about how there's ships. Um, and Caldrogo basically just dismisses her, right? I mean, that's kind of what happens is he kind of dismisses her. He says, I'm going hunting. Um, and right. then she is going to end up kind of she just kind of end up going to like you know the market, um, and that's where kind of the second bigger part of this chapter takes place, which is the, uh, you know the, um, the assassination attempt, right? Yeah, which is not the first assassination attempt that will uh, happen to Daenerys. No, no, for sure. Yeah, and it it is kind of funny though. Like like his belief is just that like that's something they've never done, you know, and and so. But her, her, you know, her, the idea from um, her perspective is that, like, look, I'm from Westeros and I'm bearing your child, who is the stallion who will mount the world. And if that's the case, you know, the world extends beyond what you, mm-hmm. you know, the sea. And he says, no, it doesn't. Like, the world ends there. And it's like, what? You know? Um, yeah. But I also think he's saying that because they, it, there's, there's a fear there. This is the unknown. They, yeah. You know, he could, he could lose it all. Whereas, like, if he, he knows right now, it's, it's, he's, he hasn't lost. I mean, he is he's in a good place. He's, yeah. yeah, he's a boss right now. So, yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, let's let's see. Yes, my son and stars. Danny said uh, Drogo would uh, take his blood riders, and they were going to search for. They're actually going out for a great white lion on the plains. So they go hunting, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And while they do that, um, she's kind of just you know uh, doing her thing. She's with her handmaidens and and what have you. And they talk a little bit more just about um, their preparation for the hunt and, and various things. So the knight, um, Sir Jorah Mormont, came at once, though. He wore his horse-haired leggings, painted vest like a rider. Coarse black hair covered his thick chest and muscular arms. My princess, how may I serve you? Um, she said, you must talk to my lord husband. Drogo says the stallion who mounts the world will have all the lands of the earth to rule and no need to cross the poison water. He talks of leading his Kalisar east. Uh, after Rago is born, to plunder the lands around the Jade Sea. So there you go. She's trying to bring in, you know, Jorah to help persuade him. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it always just makes me a little bit nervous. You know, I'm just like, man, yeah. like like both of these guys are just such outsiders. It just, 
Like if if Cal Drogo wants to, you know, end it, I I don't know what, what their customs are and things, but it's just like I don't know. It's uh right. like 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 yeah. her, her brother just got crowned. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> I I wouldn't. Yeah, but I think I think part of it is is the fact that he you know he loves Daenerys because she's different. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And for we sure. see, and we see that right after this, after the end of this chapter, we have the assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. Is he's like, well, fine, I'll do it. I will go. I will go over there because now it's it's become more realistic because yep. somebody from from somebody from beyond that sea has now tried to kill her. Yeah, right. So, exactly. You know, to them, it's like, okay, all right. Well, I'm and kill him. And that's yeah. what Jorah kind of tells her. Right, he, the, the knight answers and says the Dothraki do things in their own time for their own reasons. Um, and just kind of a you know. Uh, warns her not to make her brother's mistake, you know. So, mm-hmm. so he says, "We will go home. I promise you." So, yeah, which I mean, I, it still comes back to me to this this idea of them not wanting to cross the sea is what was Illyrio and Varys's plan? Mm-hmm. Did they actually ever ever think that you know this Dothraki army would ever cross the sea, or was it just kind of like, all right, we we don't have no we have no long, we have no use for these people anymore? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I think it's just a it's a good alliance, you know, for them on Essos um, to make or whatever. But yeah, I think he's working the young Griff angle, you know, and we just yeah, didn't think, know it. I think you're right, you know, and that's 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 what's kind of kind of crazy. They're, you know, they're safer. I mean, you know, o- over here and with um, the Dothraki than than they would. They just don't have a good plan going back over there. And actually, they kind of get in the way. I believe that you know Illyrio was working on this plan with Young Griff and and uh, John Connington for a long time, and then the Beggar King mm-hmm. shows up, you know, and so it's like okay, right. we got to keep these. Yeah, I may just mess it up. Yeah, yeah I got to keep these two things separate. So, um, yeah, but hey, here's another tie-in though, just a, a cool connection, real quick. Um, she says home as a question mark. The word makes her feel sad. Sir Jorah had his bare island, but what was her home? You know, what was home to her? A few tales. Mm-hmm. Names recited as solemnly as the words of a prayer, the fading memory of a red door. I mean, that there's that red door with the dot, 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 you know, I mean, it's just like mm-hmm. it's left right there. And so um, maybe one time we'll do a musing or we'll actually have a discussion on it. There, are, There's lots of evidence that it was pushed hard in the first three books and even more so towards the end. It just kind of is a reoccurring thing here. So. Uh, and I know right, a lot of the people red door, the yeah. red door with the lemon trees, the idea that lemons don't grow in. Yeah. Bravos, but they do do grow in Dorne, which means that maybe Daenerys was raised in Dorne instead of yeah, um, Bravos, like we're led to believe. Yeah, so just generally. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, so Matt just went ahead and summarized all of it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, good. that's the theory. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. I mean, there is. There's. There's. A, there's a lot of evidence, and if, and if, it, um, the show doesn't really ever touch on it, to my knowledge. No. Um, huh. But it could uh, have major implications. Um, yeah, because yeah, I, I don't know the more the it's to me it it it, it has a, it it ties into a little bit more of that idea that maybe Daenerys is actually one of uh, Rhaegar's children. Yeah, I, I see why some people you know uh, yeah take that take that route, and I also think too if you look in the books too, just with Ariana, you know, and what's happening with Dorne and them trying to make alliances with Quentin and so on, um, it is yeah, it, it definitely you know. Dorne is going to be a player as as Daenerys comes back to Westeros mm-hmm. big time. And so I think that's where we'll see more of that connection and those memories that she has. I think maybe we'll actually see her, you know, confronted with the door and the place in which she she grew up and in, in air quote home, you know. Mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, okay, cool. So we'll come back to that at some point, and if anybody has thoughts or interest in us talking more about that, let us know. We definitely will. Uh, mm-hmm. All right, so, yeah, let's let's move on here to the market, right? So she eventually um, heads into the marketplace, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, so, yeah, the day was warm and cloudless, the sky a deep blue. When the winds blew, she could smell the rich scents of grass and earth. As her litter passed beneath the, st- the stolen monuments, she went from sunlight to shadow and back again. Danny swayed along, studying the faces of dead heroes and forgotten kings. She wondered if the gods of burned cities could still answer prayers. So that's kind of ironic. Um, so, yeah, if it were not, the blood of the dragon, she thought wistfully, this could be my home. She was Khaleesi. She had a strong man and a swift horse, handmaidens to serve her, warriors to keep her safe, an honored place in the Dash Kaleen, awaiting her when she grew old, and in her womb grew a son who would one day bestride the world. That should be enough for any woman, but not for the dragon. So she's already kind of like right. this lo- this dragon that's awakening in her, This this um, as Quaithe kind of reminds her, don't forget who you are and that you have the blood of the dragon and you are... You know, she is the dragon reborn, essentially. There you go. Wheel of Time connection. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's don't forget that. And she has this longing, you're this, uh, I guess, growing need to be more than what she is. And she's already Khaleesi, you know? So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, her life is already, like, pretty set. That's kind of, you know, what she's, she's thinking. Um, little does she know how, like, how much none of that is actually that great, right? Like yeah. when she eventually meets the Dosh Kaleen and yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- you know so those events uh, happen. Yeah, they do. I mean, so it's yeah, it's like, but I think that's why there is this this pull. It's like she can't stay um, this Khaleesi forever. She she and, and Drogo and um, Rego need to be more than than what they are. She just has that desire as as you know because you're right. Yeah, once as soon as you see the. You know, what what could one day be her, you know, sitting in the sacred city, <laughs> you know, uh, never allowed to leave it, but just just there. That's her. That would be her life. That's that's not that's not a, a, a Targaryen. That's not the Targaryen way of life. You know, it's like she's going to move on. She needs to rule, conquer and so on. And she just has that. Uh, it's, it's funny that she didn't have that that feeling until I mean, it starts to happen around when Viserys right before he dies. But then more and more, it's just growing on her. And that dragon is awakening in her, and so it's it's really neat mm-hmm. to see how it kind of, um, yeah, you know, develops. You know, it's also interesting this 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 paragraph right here, um, because if you just read it, uh, read it, and you're kind of looking at it, um, it's it's so similar to a lot of other characters' uh, kind of thoughts in this book, uh-huh. right? You have like Sansa who thinks, "Oh, I'll just go marry Joffrey, and life will be lovely." And John, who's like, I want to go no- join the Night's Watch so I can become a ranger mm-hmm. and, you know, be like my Uncle Benjamin. Um, it's just it, this kind of like, I don't, almost, I don't want to say like innocence to it, you know, like, um, like, oh, this yeah. is going to be great. And you don't really see a lot of these type of thoughts uh, past this book, right? It all becomes a little bit more about survival and understanding your destiny as opposed to like imagining you know what what like a good life could be yeah and i think i think danny's character just has all of that happen a little quicker you know i think you're right like it takes sansa mm-hmm. a while a lot of hardships to really you know develop and and, and come you know to to grow into the character that we know her to be 
later in the series right. and, and now and even in the show. And it's like Danny has a lot, even with the timeline with her and just her pregnancy and, and the birth. She a lot of time actually. She spends a lot of time with with the Kalisar, um, mm-hmm. growing and developing. And it's like, but you can see that line right here where it says that should be enough for any woman, but not for the dragon. And so as you say, right. she's yeah. thinking, yeah. yeah, this is oh, that'd be great to marry so and so and to be in this um, this position. I'm the Khaleesi. I could live here. I could make a home here. But just like John and, and all those other characters find out, there's more. You know, there's right. And even and even John has a thought like that much later. Right. Where Stannis offers to name him like John Stark. Yeah. You know, Lord, Lord of Winterfell. John has like almost the exact same uh, type of, you know, just a paragraph too, where he's just thinking, oh, you know, but I can't. Right. I'm the Lord Commander. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Like, and a bastard and all of that stuff. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yep. So. All right. Let's get into the marketplace here. The Western market was a great square of beaten earth surrounded by um you know, uh, Warren of uh, by Warrens of, of mud baked brick, uh, animal pens, whitewashed drinking halls, and so on. So she heads into the market here, and she kind of this is something she really enjoys. You know, just walking around the various markets. Um, it, it reminds her of Pentos and the other free cities, and uh, and, and yeah, you know, you've got people in there selling goods. You've got some entertainment, and and so on. So, and to make this, uh, let's see. She liked the strangeness of the Eastern Market, too, with all of its queer sights and sounds and smells. She often spent her mornings there, uh, nibbling on tree eggs, locust pies, uh, green noodles, listening to the high, uh, ungulating voices of the spell of the spell singers, uh, gaping at manticorns in silver cages, and so on. So, again, all sorts of cool things for her to see there. Um, but they eventually are um, kind of called out here by a... Uh, yeah, well, I can't find it right now, but yeah, the the winemaker basically um, offers her the you know a, a drink, and what's interesting is the first drink that he offers her is doesn't seem it's not poisonous, you know, it's it's not um, uh, it, it it was a um, a sweet wine, you know, and so so she was interested in that, but once he finds out that she is Daenerys Targaryen, and that's made, that that's announced, you know, he kind of says, well, this is the, the wine that he's offering her is 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 no good. You know? Well, it, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, Dorea steps up. He says, uh, you know, she's like, um, you have the honor to address Daenerys of the House Targaryen, mm-hmm. uh, Daenerys Stormborn, Khaleesi, uh, and then the wine merchant drops to his knees. Princess, he says, bowing his head, rise. Um, I would still like to taste that summer wine you spoke of. And the man uh, says, that Dornish swill is not worthy of a princess. I have a dry red from the arbor, crisp and delectable. Please let me give you a cask. So um, there is... Um, uh, arbor this this idea of arbor and arbor gold right so not that this is arbor gold arbor gold is an is, um well maybe it is i can't uh but um anyway so there's there's a big uh reddit kind of of theory and stuff people have broken down anytime that like arbor gold is mentioned mm-hmm. in chapters it always leads to sort of like um deception yeah yeah and there's yeah yeah Right, so yeah. It's just it's interesting. This is one of those chapters. Well, well, yeah, it's like how Gur uses, yeah, like you said, uh, food to indicate something. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. something people have mentioned, yeah. Um, but so I guess the reason I brought up the whole point about, you know, that, that he offers her something and then, um, you know, when she says, I'd still like to taste that, he says that, that Dornish, you know, swill, that's not worthy of a princess. It's like all of a sudden, you know, he... I feel like uh, there were several people in the marketplace who could have assassinated her, right? This guy, they were all told to be on the lookout for um, 
the princess or for Daenerys Targaryen or the Khaleesi. And when they meet her, all of a sudden, then he offers her the poison wine. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that wasn't the only... Because they, they don't know who she's going to encounter, but the word is out. Like, there's there's a reward out for her death. Um, and, and so this guy, you know... He goes for it. He makes a choice. He's got he's got the poison wine ready to go, and and and, and he he offers it uh, to her and says that she needs a whole you know um, barrel full, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It says the honor is mine. The merchant uh, rummaged around in the back of his stall, produced a small oaken uh, cask, uh, burned into the wood. Was a cluster of grapes, uh, the red wine sigil. He said, pointing uh, for the arbor. There is no finer drink. Caldrogo and I will share it together. And uh, so they, they begin to take it. But then as soon as they take the, the wine, here comes Jorah back. Remember, I skipped over the part where basically he leaves to go check out some letters. And she thought perhaps right. he was going to a pleasure house and, you know, what have you. But, but yeah, he comes back in and, and he, he actually um, has the, 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 the winemaker. You know, he wants to open it and he wants to, he wants a drink of it. He says, I have a thirst. You know, open it, wine cellar. And the merchant frowned. The wine is, not, is, for, the, is for the Khaleesi, not for the likes of you, sir. And, you know, clearly Danny's picking up on what this what uh, Jorah's putting down right. here and uh, he commands him to 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 pour and, um, you know, kind of kind of basically says that if it's if it's, you know, if it's so good, if there's nothing wrong with it, um, then he wants the wine cellar to drink it. Right. And he, he goes mm-hmm. to like slowly grab a, a couple cups, uh, pretending like he's going to pour it. No big deal. And then just bolts. <laughs> he's just out of there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what? What do you do? You know, I mean, you're not going to drink your own poisonous wine, are you? You're going to try to make it on the run, right? Well, uh, what's his name does when he tries to poison Melisandre? Well, yeah, that's a little, yeah, yeah. Well, I but this know. is different because, right? Because you're being paid, and so yeah. you know, it's, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also you're in a marketplace, and you're, you're thinking maybe I can get away here from these guys, but um, I don't know. It's just it's. Uh, yeah, you know what would he have done if if she takes the 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 barrel? I mean, he closes up. He would have to close up shop and get the heck out of there, right? I mean, like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, you'd have to days yeah, over at the, the market. You're done. It. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, um, yeah. So, so as as he rushes off there, eventually, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, one of the blood riders there, right? Who's who's with them? Takes out their their whip. I mean, they reach for their swords uh, and for their weapons, but they don't have any, right? And mm. actually, mm. gets his whip out there and is able to kind of catch him around the ankle and and and, and pull him down. So, uh, yeah. And I mean, basically, what, like what else happens there? Sir Matt, he kind of confesses a little bit, right? That that he um, was that it, that that it is poisonous, and you know he was going to assassinate her. And then she learns from Jorah that um, you know how did you how did you know about this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's because of the letters that he receives, right? Because he because he goes yeah. and checks with the let he goes and checks his letters and kind of comes back and actually says that he that he doesn't know initially, right? Right. Yeah, it's kind of an assumption yeah, that yeah, he yeah. makes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, you know, Jordan. Uh, well, I, I mean, they'd have to. Jorah would have to know too, right? About the within being. Like yeah. the letter, the letters from Varys, as, as you said too, but also just in general, he had a suspicion. Of, yeah, as, so. yeah, as you're saying, as you were saying, he's he's uh, he's he's started to change a little bit, like where he is becoming more kind of protective. I'd say, right, right, yeah. It's like so. What I think happens is right. So he 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 hears that there's a reward out there, that there's uh, an assi- like 
maybe he finally gets his letter that says like, hey, if you find a chance, assassinate her and then lordship's yours and all this kind of stuff or whatever. And once he reads that, then it's like, okay, yeah, he's been spying. He's been he's been giving Mm -hmm. information. But now I've been asked to kill someone. And I was thinking about, you know, turning switching sides here. And so as he rushes back, the first thing that he sees her doing is getting this cask of of wine. And, um, you know, because she says she's kind of trembling and she says, how? How did you know? And he says, I did not know Khaleesi, not until the man refused to drink. But once I read Magister Illyrio's letter, I feared Uh, his dark eyes Mm -hmm. swept over the faces of the strangers in the market. Come best not to talk of it here. The letters have already gone off, have already gone out. My thing is that I don't know why I've never quite understood, you know, Varys and Illyrio. Just that that there's there's such a mystery to those two characters as to why. Illyrio is 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 seemingly helping Viserys and 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 Danny. They just have a plan a plan uh, A and a plan B. You know what I mean? As, as mm-hmm. I guess the way I look at it. And so, um, and their plan B I think is actually Danny and, Vis- and, and Viserys. Yeah. So mm-hmm. their plan A is is young Griff. I think. Um, yeah, so, I'm with you. I think I think so as well. Right. So, so they're willing to to pass along this this information. I just wondered if at what point. Was was Jorah having you know some different thoughts or, or maybe uh, wanting to kind of switch sides here? You know, it's one thing just to report that like, hey, here's where she's at. She's with child and so on. That seems kind of innocent, but now they're wanting to assassinate her. Well, actually, they say that it's it's they're really sent after to kill her brother. So it's not actually right. necessarily you know like like her brother was one. Um, so let's read this. So yes, the knight drew out a folded parchment, a letter to Viserys from Master. Well, there it is. A letter to Viserys from Master Illyrio. Robert Baratheon offers lands and lordships for your death or uh, your brothers. My brother, her saw was half a laugh. Um, he does not know yet, does he? The usurper owes Drogo a lordship. You know, so so there you go. I, I answered my own question right with the next paragraph. Um, Magister Illyrio is actually sending this letter on to. Viserys and it's intercepted, you know, it's, it's so Jorah is the one who kind of um, a letter to Viserys from Magister Illyrio. So that would be a warning, you know, that mm-hmm. shows you that that Illyrio is, is warning him. Varys is kind of doing two things, right? Then so he's, he's communicating across the, the narrow sea that the, the orders go out that, you know, um, Daenerys is to be killed. Right. Doesn't he right. say at one point to send word to, to, to one of their informants, you know, uh, Sir Jorah, who's directly corresponding with Sir Jorah Mormont. Is it Illyrio? Is it Varys? Who's who is he sending his letters to? And you know what I'm saying? Like who's communicating directly to him? Because if he's just intercepted that letter from Illyrio and it was meant to go to Viserys, and that's how he indirectly finds out all oh, that they're they're on to you. They're 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 trying to kill you. And so there's a warning sent. Um, you know, because I don't think Illyrio and, and, and Varys would idly just throw away their plan B. You know, and say, yeah, we're going to let you guys be assassinated. And Varys is the one who hears it first over in King's Landing, sends the warning to Illyrio. Illyrio sends it to Varys. It's intercepted by Jorah. But, yeah. I don't know. I just kind of wonder who he's talking to. So that's really my main question, I guess. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Um, you want to finish yeah, this up here? Next, yeah, let's move on to the next little segment here. So essentially, Daenerys goes back kind of to her. Um, to her tent there and she thinks that the usurper because her her child starts to kind of kick right so she thinks you know the usurper has kind of woken the dragon so she looks she starts to play with her dragon eggs a little bit um 
This is where she sells Sir George to light the you know brazier despite the heat and asks him to leave. Then she's this is where she kind of pushes the eggs under the coals, thinking like, oh, what might mm-hmm. happen? And they kind of they they kind of glisten a little bit, but that's just about it. They don't really like you know, they don't open or anything like she expects. But yeah, um, it is kind of interesting to see what they do with when Daenerys uh, is doing it because it's almost as if there is some sort of like power there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of foreshadowing for us, right? We'll see those, you know, enter the fire a little bit later as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then we get to the part where, uh, Khal Drogo returns. Um, and he kind of tells her that he's, uh, he's killed. Uh, what's he killed? He's killed a Did he- car. Did he kill that lion? Like that white lion or yeah. whatever it was? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's uh he's going to make a cloak out of its skin. Uh she kind of tells him what happens and this is where he gets like uh very quiet and Sir Jorah tells her, you know, this one this probably isn't going to be the last attempt. Um Dr- uh Drogo gives Sir Jorah and Jogo a choice of his horses, right? Cuz he's Yeah, he's proud of him for that. Yeah, they're very thankful that she she saved him. Uh, she also proclaim. Uh, he also proclaims a gift for his unborn son, the ki- Seven Kingdoms of Westeros. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's. This is where he's like, all right, we're gonna do this. Um, he's gonna ride the wooden horses, aka boats, to Westeros and kill the men in the iron suits. Uh, tear down their stone houses. He vows to rape all their women and take Bad their boy. children as slaves Jiminy. and bring their broken gods back to base Dothrak to bow beneath the mountain, the mother of the mountains. Uh, and then two days later, the Kalasar leaves, um, and you know, then they they have the, the wine cellar that they, right that Daenerys that uh, tried to kill Daenerys um, is chained and and following behind them, uh, and says no long no harm will come to him as long as he keeps up. So, anyways, yeah. So you're right. You're right. He's he now as uh, his eyes set over there on um, you know on Robert Baratheon and those who are trying to to kill his. Um, you know his 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 Khaleesi. All right. Well, let's move on over to uh, Sir Ezra. I think that's a good uh, good wrap up for the the chapter this week. Let's move on over to send us a raven. Yeah, to send us a raven here. Um, so we've been getting uh, you know, several. Like we said, we have a lot of ravens mm-hmm. coming up for Raven's Nest. So if we do not read your raven during Raven's Nest, it's just because we have so many. Um, and we we will we will definitely. Uh, get to all of them eventually. We said we might do a follow up Friday. We might even do um, just a you know topic by topic. You know, Sir Matt and I might bring them up in the main show or or what have you. But I thought this one today was was a pretty good one. This is from um, oh gosh, we've got uh, Royal Soward, uh, third of his name, King of the North, protector of the triangular realm. <laughs> that was a King of the North. King of the North, he says. So <laughs> don't don't anybody question it. We don't know, uh, but that's the that's the northern triangular realm, I guess. All right, uh, so. okay. Yeah, it's a different place, Sir Matt. All right. Uh, now this 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 has been awesome, honestly. Um, Royal's been sending us quite a few emails, uh, quite a few ravens, excuse me. And uh, I mean, I th- I think we're up to like almost double digit ravens from him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been fantastic. And this one happens to do with um, you know uh, Samwell and 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 Bran. And this is a season eight thing, mm-hmm. so this will be fun. We can kind of shift gears here a little bit. So, uh, dear sirs, I want to say. Getting the two podcasts back to back was a real treat. So we just got this one today, by the way. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, we had the back to back. We've got um, who is Quaith, and then we kind of had a Crips of Winterfell uh, that came out. So 
Uh, each of the cast get my mind racing towards season eight in a few thoughts. And going back through the seasons of Game of Thrones and HBO Go, uh, in doing so, I just realized how much information is contained in every episode. In fact, my mm -hmm. wife just watched the very first episode again, and when it was over, she commented that she misremembered what happened in the first episode, thinking that all of its information was actually the entirety of the first season. <laughs> so basically kind of saying that, that you know, um, one episode can carry a lot of information and can seem like almost a whole mm -hmm. season or can oh, identify um, a yeah, whole season. Absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, my point is that in season eight, we cannot rule out any theories strictly based on the fact that there isn't much time left. Mentally, I limit theories regarding season eight uh, based things like a lack of precedent in the show or introduction of new in-show characters in order to drive a theory. So basically uh, what he's saying is that, like, we, we, you know, let's not put ourselves in a box here. I mean, if we're talking, well, what's the longest episode? I know there's a big battle scene, but I mean, you've got. Some these these episodes are longer as well too. So mm -hmm. yeah, can, absolutely, you can communicate yeah, a, a couple, lot. Yeah, a couple ep yeah, a couple episodes in season uh, seven are a little over an hour, but not. I think it's like one or two. Yeah. Okay. Um, having said all of this, I have had a green dream regarding season eight. My dream came to me in fragments, just like Brand's prophetic dreams. In this particular dream, I saw a three-eyed raven in a fire lit room. There were old books from the Citadel piled high at a desk with ample quills, ink, and parchment. Sam was sitting at the desk, busy writing as the ravens recited what he saw in his broken dreams. Uh, Gilly was there. She was rifling through the old books, searching for references and clues to make sense of it all. Outside the room, all of Winterfell prepared, for, um, prepared their battlements whilst they waited to hear the prophecies. I believe that Sam will be vital in helping Bran to really hone his powers. Beginning in season eight, Sam wanted so badly to go to the Citadel and learn, specifically so that he could be of assistance during this battle. This is how he will be of assistance. He will help Bran to interpret his visions and learn how to fully understand what it is that he is seeing. To my mind, this is huge. Uh, Sam will offer full credibility full credibility to Bran's visions if he uh, can back them up with facts from the sacred Citadel text. If everyone believes that Bran, if everyone believes what Bran says, then it makes the story move along. Everyone will accept John's parentage. There could be a full explanation of the crypts of Winterfell, its meaning and a full scale map for everyone to use in case the need of escape arises. Everyone will know who the Night King is and possibly how he was defeated in the past. They will know why he is coming south of the Wall and how to attack the Army of the Dead. And all of this can be accomplished in just two scenes, the study and the findings. If my dream is correct, Bran will be an incredible important weapon for the good guys and will be treasured and protected at all cost. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's... I, I You know... We've talked a lot about like, are you just gonna believe Bran? You know, I mean, are yeah. you like? I is think that... you're gonna need something. Yeah, you're gonna need something to back to back it up. Right. Um, right. And 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 not and yeah, not only that, but the 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 lack of a Howland Reed type character in the show. Yeah. Right. Who could who could potentially provide that that source of like, oh, I was there. This is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna need something because. You know, something you and I were talking about off air is 
So the show has told us that R plus L equals J, right? They've, mm-hmm. they've confirmed it, but they haven't, they still haven't told us why. Yeah. They, they've still yet to tell us why we know. Cause we're obviously book addicts about the, the Zora high and all this stuff. But, right. um, you know, we just have Melisandre saying, well, Stannis is the prince who was promised who will defeat the, the night King. Right. Right. And then the John, now it's Jon Snow. And, is it, it as fans we interpret it as Jon Snow because oh Rhaegar and Lyanna and all that stuff. But the a lot of Rhaegar's history, if you were somebody who had just watched the show, you wouldn't really know a lot about the fact that he was like bookish and suddenly decided one day he just wanted to, you know, fight and all a lot of there's not there's not as many old Nan's tales and all this stuff. So yeah. um the show still hasn't told us why and we don't know from the books. I mean we, we have we have bigger theories, but we still don't know entirely why. That happened. We're going to need somebody to explain it, and it's probably going to be Bran, obviously, with a vision. But Yeah, well, let, let me make a quick plug then just for one of the green dreams that we just did, which was um, what is in Lyanna's tomb. And mm-hmm. I think Yeah, you and I did that yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think if, if you get a chance to go check that out, it's on Patreon. Um, you, you guys can can take a listen there. It's a really cool theory we came across, and then uh, Sir Matt and I kind of had our own uh, thoughts and our own had our own questions at the end and have a nice nice discussion about it, but during the the course of that episode, I started to think, along with um, what Royal is saying here, that the if Bran were to say all of a sudden, like like if you can tell that Lyanna's tomb hasn't been opened, and he just says, "Here's what's in there," he's seen it in a vision, and then you open it, and then like, oh, Bran was right, like this is actually in here. Mm-hmm. It does start to. Yeah. It's one thing, one you know, uh, score for him to make him more credible. You know what I mean? So if he can do a couple things like that. Um, that, that everyone can kind of see, oh yeah, he, he actually can uh, see these things or has seen into the past and does know what t- takes place and can lead our main you know heroes down this path and show them these things. That, that would help too to make it a little bit more credible. But Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, as we were discussing though, we said, you know, who, who, just because we have all these markers in Liana's tomb, and by the way, that's, that's the theory is that there are a bunch of, we won't say which ones, Sir Matt and I won't say, but uh, we discussed mm-hmm. a lot of different markers that could be in her tomb, and that doesn't mean that John necessarily is her child. The show is, is has shown us. I guess we're talking book there a little bit because the show right. is clearly is, has made it clear and 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 has done a lot to. Convince I mean, the us. book's made it clear too. Let's not act like it hasn't. No, I'm not. I'm, just, I'm not saying that. <laughs> it's, just, yeah. it's just like. If if uh, when I read people's theories about like oh just because you find something that's attached to Rhaegar in her tomb that means that John is is Rhaegar's well you still have to attach John mm-hmm. to Lyanna's right. tomb yeah yep. you know yep yep so anyways that's a cool little conversation that we had there when, you know when you guys get a chance to check that out but I I hope Sam is a major player in season eight I hope he's someone who you know um, really does play a a, a big role and, and I think sometimes the 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 drop of information, you know, like like when you have people mm-hmm. who do information drops and that's your it's not like someone dying or being killed, but it's a bombshell of information. I think that's even cooler, you know, as as a as an audience, you know, as a, as just someone watching a show or reading a book, it's like boom, there's a little bit of knowledge you didn't have and it's sort of a, a big twist and it's it's just really cool. Like the like the whole bit about Rhaegar's annulment to Elia Martell. I mean that's it's like, whoa, okay, cool. That's actually written down somewhere, you know. Uh, in the Citadel so mm-hmm. 
All right. So, yeah, thanks uh, again for, for the Raven. And, and then, as we said, you know, March 31st, we'll be having uh, Raven's Nest there. And uh, my goal is tonight, when we're done recording, to finish up the dock and get that up there for everybody on Facebook so you guys can add some comments and, and what have you. So Yeah. So All right. Hey, we want to th- uh Yeah, I think it's time to say farewell, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. Isn't it? Yep, it is. Yeah, well, guys, as always, we want to thank you for playing the Game of Thrones. In our next episode, we will be discussing Chapter 55 Catlin 8. Yep. Uh, if you like our podcast, don't forget to subscribe, like us, write a review, leave a comment, or send us a raven at btkcast at gmail.com. We will see you in a week, and remember that winter is coming. <laughs>